Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. State your intention and stick with it. So like we said in the beginning, this is not the quote unquote normal path. And so usually people reach a certain point in their career and they're just kind of pushed into management because that's the next step in the organization and that's the traditional way that people go. However, to Anne's point in the intro, not everyone is cut out to be a manager. And in our opinion, that is totally okay. And admitting this to yourself is the first step and honestly the most important one. Because if you don't put that stake in the ground, you will likely get swept up into that normal path and become a manager not wanting to and then end up in the space that you had tried to opt out of. You might have to also restate this more than one time to the people in your organization because it will probably take a little while to take hold for a few reasons. One, there's just the natural way. So you get to that level of experience, the number of years, number of roles in the organization, that sort of thing. And it's just time. And two, because a lot of people can't see beyond the idea of that's just the natural path. And so depending on what organization you're in, this can, of course, be true or not true to certain degrees. But overall, we would say it's going to be something that you're going to have to restate and really stick to and that likely someone along the way will try to talk you out of. But we would say do not waver. It's easier for the person on the other end to manage against what everyone else does instead of assist you in carving out your own path. And so you need to calmly and confidently lay out why this isn't your intended path. And even better if you've tried managing people before and it just didn't work out for you to be able to give that example and state, this is why, this is how I've landed here. And if you have an example, even better. And I feel really strongly about this one, that it is not everyone's path coming from the creative side of things, because Mm -hmm. some of the most amazing creative folks are not meant to be managers. I mean, it's just not in the DNA of who they are. They are creators by nature. And so I have seen a lot of their spirits kind of die when it comes to their passion for the work when they're no longer on the board physically creating. And I was one of the big proponents throughout the organizations I was in of, can't we figure out another way? Because we're doing wrong by these people and the organization, where if we just created a path that they could become more senior within the doing, Mm -hmm. then they would be happy, we would get better work, and they wouldn't be having a team of people beneath them that they really weren't equipped to or wanting to manage, which then causes larger problems. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good point. And I think it's a really hard thing to go do. Agree. Um, because you know, first you have to admit that maybe what you want isn't what everybody else wants. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people ask us, right, April, like, how do I know that I actually really want to be a manager, right? <laughs> Fair, um, yes. And, you know, what we always say is you have to care more about the people that work for you than mm-hmm. you do yourself if you want to be a really good manager. Yep. And that like kind of stops people in their tracks for a little bit because they're like, huh, all right. And then that has to be an honest assessment. Do I really care about the people mm-hmm. that I work around more than I want to care about you know, myself? And, and if it's the answer is no, that's totally fine. But you have to be honest with yourself that you can continue to go down the path and pretend like you're going to be a manager or 
that you want to be a good manager, but if you're really not willing to go there, then mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to really achieve the full level of being a really good manager. And then you just make everybody's lives, including your own, miserable in the process. So I think it's really hard for people to kind of state that to themselves. Agree. And then it's even harder to state it to a organization that maybe doesn't have that there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's somebody has to say something if that is the way you feel. And the only person that can really say that is you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to kind of, and we're going to talk a lot about this to, uh, in this episode, you're going to have to kind of like feel it out. And you're going to have to kind of go through a little bit of the uncertainty uh, around that if it's something that you want and it's some way, uh, and it's the course that you want to take your career down. Yeah, and I think in addition to caring more about the people, you also have to find personal fulfillment right. in that and as caring well. For the people. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's the other piece is that if you naturally do care about the people, there's a level of fulfillment in seeing them succeed, and that's kind of the other side of that caring coin, right? right. It's like you care about them and then you get something out of the process of managing. That's another thing that's hard, I think, to admit to yourself. But it's okay to be selfish in that way, right? If you love the work and you get so much fulfillment out of doing the work and you can't really imagine stepping away from that, that's totally fine. And that is the reason why then you have to figure out what are you going to do instead and lead the way for that. Yeah. Number two, be ready to be the trailblazer for your career. And I think I just set this up, but Anne, I will let you take this one. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, we did kind of just set this up and we or kind of set the expectation up. I mean, and honestly, I mean, you should be the trailblazer for your career no matter what. Anyway, right. But in this case, it is more of a trailblazing, like give me the machete. I need to kind of cut down the path kind mm-hmm. of um, process. Yeah, new new path entirely. Yeah, exactly. And it's not always met with like the utmost of welcome. Um, mm-hmm. You know, honestly, um, those those weeds can be kind of hard to to the machete down. And so you really need to be thinking about first of all how you're going to go through this process. And how you want to carve that path for yourself and kind of see if there are, you know, people around you that are, you know, kind of feeling the same way. Because sometimes there can be strength in numbers. Mm -hmm. But you have to be very clear that this is going to be something that you are prepared to do. And I'll give an example um, of one of my experiences of a a personal friend at P&G. And then just in general, some of the infrastructure that can be set up just so you can understand how this could look. But so... First of all, if you're going to be a trailblazer in your career and you're also going to take this path of kind of uh, least taken, you really need to set up a subject matter expertise. This is going to be the value that you're going to provide to the business in a way that it's going to make them kind of think like, okay, maybe this could work. Mm -hmm. If you're not going down the regular path and you have to provide value in some other way, you can't just be like a, hey, you know, I just kind of like, you know, want to do my own thing kind of thing. It's like... (laughs) Here's the value I'm going to add. This is the subject matter expertise that I'm going to take, and this is what I'm going to cultivate within the business. And this is what my friend Holly did um, when she was actually in HR, and she saw an opportunity uh, to do more um, design thinking. Mm. And that was a, a kind of a new concept within P&G. I mean, we all did design thinking to some extent, but like kind of doing it as a way to facilitate brainstormings mm-hmm. and collaboration sessions and um, really bringing that like um, that perspective 
into the business was new. And so it's not common that that would originate necessarily out of HR. It probably would have originated out of more of our creative or design functions, but it was something she felt passionate about. It was definitely something that she decided to kind of carve out. Now, the problem was um, it was highly well-received to the point that she was doing that more than her quote-unquote you know, typical HR job. And HR finally said, nope, you need to do your HR job mm. because it's this is what we hired you for. And that's where we, the decision-making comes in. It's like, well, okay, what choice I'm going to make here because I'm trying to carve my own path. I'm a subject matter expert. I'm being appreciated for that. It's not something the company is willing to support right now. Mm-hmm. Do I stay within that or do I go and, um, you know, go back to HR? And she decided ultimately to leave the company to go pursue a, a, her home business in, in this design thinking. And she's doing phenomenally well with that, right? So these are things that you have to recognize within yourself and then you have to really uh, cultivate as you're, you're you're doing your journey. And there are you know businesses like P&G where they do have like a T-track and an M-track, mm-hmm. right? So you are able to take that subject matter expertise into a track that rewards you for that. Now, that track does max out mm-hmm. um, and it generally maxes out way before you're ready to retire. So you have to be prepared for that. And also there's no path from there to CEO or C-suite. Mm-hmm. So you have to also remember that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great example. And, and I think... Um... If you're trying to create something brand new, but you have that much passion around it, personal passion, I think sometimes that's where people get in a really tricky spot and a lot more people opt to do the safe thing than to go and do the thing that they're truly passionate about. And so I think that that's a really good example from the perspective of Holly that she was like, you know what? I just can't see myself going back. And I've heard you say the same thing, right? You reach a point where you're like, I just, I don't see a a reality for me in that space. Um, I think an example from my end, and I already talked about, you know, more on the creative side, but we had a guy at one of the agencies I was at who um, was really digitally centered. He was a very creative guy and he had been a designer before, but he just found his love far more in the technology space of the world. And that was really changing, right? It was becoming... It was new, newer, right? There were a lot of things evolving, and he had no trouble going headlong into learning any new thing that had come out that we had any desire as an organization to explore or a client asked. I mean, he was just amazing at that. And then being able to come back and not only execute, but explain in layman's terms how it worked and how it fit into the bigger picture. And I mean, that was just his superpower, just was. But unfortunately... That was, again, misinterpreted by the organization as, well, he needs to have a team. We need to build this practice, you know, and it was like, well, he knows more about it here than anybody. Let's have him do it. And he was like, I, I don't want that. I don't want to I, I want to do the discovery. I don't I don't get fulfillment out of having other people work for me. He had done that before. He was older at that time. And I'm, you know, he, not old, but, you know, <laughs> older to where he probably should have been a manager for several years at that point. And he just kept saying, I don't want to. I don't want to. And so at one point. They kind of forced him into a couple different teams, and then he had direct reports as a result of that. And they tried to finagle it like, well, your boss can actually do the managing, but like you still have to use these people, right? And he just kept saying no. And so finally, 
he found his way to me and he was like, I know this is a little bit unorthodox, but I'm wondering, since you're creating the strategy team, could we create a digital strategy role for me? And I'm totally happy to teach as part of that. Right. But I do not want the responsibility of managing any of the people on the strategy team. And I was like, at first I was like, ooh, like we've bounced you around a couple times here. Um, I'm more than happy to go to bat for you. I think it makes total sense for you to be on the team. I don't know if we can honestly get you out of the management piece. And so we put together a plan, like we're saying here, and we showed on paper the value he was bringing and how much of that he would have to give up if we forced him to manage other people, but that he was willing to be the guide, whereas I would be the actual manager when it came to the doing of the work. And so we got that through. And I mean, the progress that he made and just the happiness level for him ratcheted up so far that he actually became a really good teacher of some of the employees that wanted to learn more of the digital side of strategy, the stuff that I, quite frankly, didn't have the skill in and that we were being asked for by the clients to where he was able to cultivate kind of a sub-team within our team once that he was released from that responsibility. Yeah, I think that's a really great example because people need to live in the place where they're going to add value. Yep. I mean, I've already said that once and I'm going to say it again because so often we want to take people out of where they provide value Mm -hmm. and put them into a structure that we have set up because it seems easier, right? Um, Because that's the structure. That's the process. That's how you move up. But, I mean, if you just stop and ask yourself, why am I doing that? Why am I sub-optimizing a quality, quality employee to try to make them be something that they're not? I'm like, don't I still need what they have to offer? Mm -hmm. And if so, it's like, why? Why Why do they have to fit the mold? It never, I mean, it always left me scratching my head. It's Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Number three of how to manage not wanting to become a manager. Enlist support from your greatest cheerleaders. So I think my example, actually, man, I am doing good today. It goes quite nicely (laughs) into this one. Um, But I mean, like we said, you're going to be met with resistance. You're going to have people out there that may not want to invest the time or just feel like it should be done a certain way, all of that. But if you can enlist folks around you that you trust, that are really big supporters and can see the value that you're bringing to the organization and just ask them to step in on your behalf and help be another voice in the conversation, that can be extraordinarily beneficial. Mm -hmm. Also, Anne mentioned before, but I'll say it again, if there are other people that feel the same way within the organization, I think if you can go collectively together and state, you know, this is really what we would rather be doing, that can also be the power in numbers thing. You have to, of course, recognize that just because you have cheerleaders doesn't mean it's going to be totally easy and quick and all of that to get this done. And you'll have to put the work in. And like Ann said, you'll have to carve out another way, like being a subject matter expert. But if you can get people to rally with you and people in the organization that are respected and have a voice, regardless of their level, of those types of things... Those are the sort of people that you want to look to and sort of call in the favors, if you will, so that the situation can be moved along. Uh, I think, unfortunately, a lot of times in organizations, because there are already structures set, people just sort of feel like, well, we can't disrupt that because it's right. a big, major thing to go and do. And so I think if you can build that team of people. And then also don't be afraid to give them roles in the conversations. Even if you're the one leading the charge for your own personal gain and benefit, you can give them kind of asks, you know, like for me with the guy that I referenced before, it was like, 
you know, April, you're building something in the organization that I actually think makes the most sense for me from any team here to be a part of. I'd really love to report to you because I think you see the benefit of what I'm doing. And so therefore, I'm asking you to help me not be bounced around anymore Mm -hmm. and find my home in the organization. And like I said, with the example, you know, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, I don't know if this is a good career move to jump. You know, I think it was it would have been like the third or fourth boss that he had in the organization. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know the threshold, you know, whatever. But ultimately, we gave it a shot and it and it worked out. And then I the, the other part did happen where more people started to come out of the woodwork and say, I really want to learn more about this. It's not really in my job title, but I see it as a way of the future. And that's where we were able to give some of people's time from different teams to be able to participate and learn the work. Yeah. And I think what uh, the point that you made is is right on, too, in that um, not only should you declare it for yourself and then the way that you feel and where you think you're going to be most productive, but it's also in helping people see that the value that you will offer will be something that the business is going to appreciate. Oh, for too, sure. Yeah. Right. And so it's not about going and, and, and this is the big difference here. So I'm about going to, you know, these people and just whining about how you're not happy and <laughs> how like everybody's just not letting you do what you want. And this and like the, that and the other, it's all about constructing a rationale and a very solid rationale for why this will be good for you, why mm-hmm. this will be good for the organization, why this will be good for the business. And using that as a way to influence your cheerleaders to become advocates for you in mm-hmm. the process. If you try to pull the poor me thing, nobody has patience or time for that. So that's not the way to approach it. This is where the trailblazing part comes in, too, is that you have to really think about how this looks. How is it going to be constructed? How is it going to work? You know, if, if people ask you questions about it and all you could say is like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like the chances of you getting a yes, even from your cheerleaders, is very, very low. You have to make it an easy yes for them. That means you have to go through and think through all the questions that they might ask, all the, the conflicts that might come up, all the challenges that they could bring up. That doesn't mean you have the answer to every single th- you know question that could possibly be asked, but you know the big ones, and the big ones are going to be, well, how is this going to fit into the structure? Yep. Um, how, are you, how do you expect to be rewarded? Um, how do you think you're going to move up? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to compromise being, you know, moving up into the, in the company and staying where you're at as a result? You know, so you need to think about through what some of the implications are and not just feel like, uh, you know, you, you, this is your way to get unstuck, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Well, and I also think, you know, the thing that he did right in that situation was he was very open and honest that this was going to be an inconvenience for me. Yeah. In the short term, like, you know, he was you know, he knew I already had plenty of direct reports. I was responsible for part of the account team. I was trying to build the strategy team. I was always on the new business stuff. And so when he came to me, he was like, I know I'm asking for something that probably is piling more on your plate right now. But I promise that I'll do everything I can to do the heavy lifting right, and take right. the onus of it and and pay you back kind of, you know, over time. And So I just I feel like I appreciated that so much because he didn't come whining and crying where really, I mean, in some ways he kind of had a right to because we just kept trying to like shove him (laughs) into the wrong role. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, why do we keep doing this to this guy? Like he's one of the most valuable people we have in the company right now. And we're like killing him, you know, trying to do this. So in any case, I think your point is right. It's it's all about how you approach it and then what you're willing to invest into it. 
Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.